Good afternoon, everybody. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Podcast here on this Tuesday afternoon. Combine week, finally, Indie NFL Combine. I absolutely love this week of the year in the NFL calendar. I'm already getting a little bit of FOMO that I'm not in Indianapolis this year, watching some of the other reporters. Hopefully, we'll be back next year in person. But for this year, we'll do it from home. We'll have Alex Barth and myself talking all week long about the Combine and about the Patriots at the NFL Scouting Combine. And I want to start with the report today, Alex. Well, first of all, how excited are you about the Combine this week? Yeah, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And I think kind of what we're going to get into, I think the Combine has evolved. And I'll use this to kind of set the table yeah. on all my takes throughout the week. I, I, we talked about this on the last show, right? The origin right. of the 40 time covering punts. Like the combine has evolved beyond the drills. They're obviously interesting to watch. I, I don't think they mean a ton. They'll impact certain players' draft spots and, you know, in pockets, they mean something. But the big thing for me this week is it's the first time we really get a clear picture. A lot of this board, this overall big board is unclear, right? We don't know what order these receivers are in. We don't yeah. know what's, what, what's going on with the corners. The quarterbacks are a big part of this. Jordan Davis. We're going to see who's meeting with who, which players are taking a lot of meetings. That, to me, is what I'm excited for this week. More so than the drills, it's that we start, and there really were no meetings at the Senior Bowl, which was surprising to me. So even more so this year, we're going to start seeing which teams are meeting with which players, and it's really going to kind of start to put that board together for us, because that's what I really want to see. I'm sick of doing, well, if he's there at 21, which he might be, he might not be, it's a coin flip. Like I feel like we get some clarity to that this week so that you can have your drills have fun with your drills i encourage you to have fun with your drills i'll enjoy watching them but the big thing for me this week what i'm watching isn't even on the field it's the reports it's who's meeting with who there does seem to be an interesting divide going on and some of this you should really fall in the in the old school category here, Alex, based off of your hatred of analytics. Some of this is new school versus old school, right? Because a lot of the new school coaches, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Robert Sala with the New York Jets already reportedly not going to be in Indianapolis for the combine. And before you say, well, that's the Jets, why would you follow suit with the Jets? Well, the defending Super Bowl champions are only sending front office personnel, the head coaches not going to Indianapolis this week, there is definitely a school of thought in the NFL nowadays that the combine is becoming more and more obsolete. And I think the way that we have seen the process evolve now, basically due to COVID, I would say in a large part with zoom meetings, uh, with interviews via zoom, with discussions with prospects uh, virtually, there isn't as much of a push from a coaching staff perspective to be there in person in front of these prospects. Everything is now done by reviewing tape, looking at on-field game speed from all these different analytics houses that measure how fast a player is actually running on the field during a game in pads. A lot of that is becoming more interesting or more part of the discussion than let's just say a 40 time or a three cone drill or a broad jump or whatever the case may be. So a fascinating discussion to be had, not only about the future of the combine in Indianapolis, because it certainly sounds like that's going to change in the next couple of years, that it's going to be in a bigger market city, someplace like Los Angeles, for example, Miami potentially, but more so than just that, the future of the combine and how relevant it is to the entire draft 
process, I think, is in question here. And for the Patriots, it sounds like Matt Groh and the front office personnel staff is going to be running their combine in Indianapolis in terms of meeting with prospects and things like that. So not as heavily involved in it anymore are the head coaches. Those guys don't seem to have the hands uh, in the pot as often in the combine nowadays. And in a way, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that we're not just sitting there stacking up wide receiver prospects based off of our stopwatch on a 40 time, right? It's probably for the right. best that film study and tape study is really starting to trump anything that happens on the field in Indianapolis. Well, so that's why you go back to kind of how I feel about it. Old school versus new school. That's why I'm okay with this. Cause it's not necessarily old school versus new school. I hate taking things that have no real football application and trying to make them about football, right? That's what bothers me. So what is what what is the 40 times real world at real football application? Right. We talked about this last week. 40 yards is the average distance for a punt. It's basically how fast can you get downfield and cover a punt? It's really used though, or was used for a long time. We're starting to come back the other way. Yeah. It was used for so much more than that, which it, that's what bugs me. It's that's not what it is. Stop using it like that. So I still think the meetings are important. Like you said, those can be done by Zoom. You know, yeah. I think. Some of the workouts, some of it to me, you know, what position do you need? Even if you do want to put stock in the 40 time or the bench press, I don't know that you need to be there for that to put stock into it, right? You can watch it. You can read the results. Yeah. Maybe like quarterbacks throwing. That right. may be something you want to go see in person if you're a team that needs a quarterback. Right. But then you also um, have the pro days, all the throwing sessions, right? So they, they have right. other opportunities. You have other to opportunities to do that. The one thing I'd say right. with the combine is – the pro day is a really, it's a pretty sheltered environment for the prospects, right? Whereas the combine, there's maybe a little more pressure. They're a little right. more out of their comfort zone. I, I would put more stock in that. Like we always, wh whatever you think of the drills or not, Evan, tell me if you agree, but I think this is pretty universal. Whatever, however much stock you want to put in the drills themselves, the combine version of the drills are more valuable than the pro day version of the drills. I think we all agree with that because yeah. again, the, the pro day is that, kind of controlled environments. So. I would also say that it's really helpful, especially for somebody like me that's trying to evaluate these prospects that doesn't have the resources of an NFL front office. It's helpful to be able to see Chris Olave run a, a gauntlet drill and then, you know, Jamison Williams, well, he's not going to, Traylon Burks run a gauntlet drill is a better example, right? Or whoever yeah. else, you know, one right after another, I think is can be helpful to see who moves better, even in not in pads and not in a game situation, you can get, especially from the skill positions, the movements, the hip fluidity, you know, the foot speed, and you see them stacked one after another after another. So it's pretty easy to compare them universally. Whereas if you watch a guy on tape, you watch one guy and he's going up against one level of competition and he's in one route tree and then you watch another guy and it doesn't necessarily overlap as easily. So now we get an opportunity to watch Chris Olave side by side with Garrett Wilson in a, the same exact drill. And I think that that right. does have some application and some helpfulness, especially if you're really close on those two prospects. But I wanted to talk about the wide receivers here off the top of the show, the Patriots, the big report for New England here today on Tuesday, Armando Celograga from the Outkick now, I think it is. He, he used to be yeah. down there in Florida reporting on the Dolphins. Now he's national media. I don't think it's the Outkick. I think it's just Outkick. Outkick. Uh, yeah. He reported that the Patriots have a very 
important task or kind of their priority of, in Indianapolis is to meet with the three of the top receivers in the NFL draft, basically the guys that are going to be in shouting distance of the 21st pick talking about Chris Olave from Ohio state, Jamison Williams from Alabama, who obviously won't participate in drills due to the torn ACL, but is participating in meetings with teams and Traylon Burks from Arkansas as well. All three of these guys, I would say are very different skill set wise. Olave, the pure technician, route runner, Williams, the absolute game-breaking speed, Tyree Kill level, Jalen Waddle level speed, and then Burks, who I think a lot of us are in agreement that you would like the Patriots to stay away from that kind of profile that does profile a little bit like Nikhil Harry did, but is certainly a lot more explosive and faster than Nikhil Harry was in the open field in college. But before we get into individual breakdowns and all three guys and who we would prefer, because we're going to do that. I first want to discuss the fact that they're meeting with these three guys and I don't want to make too much out of these meetings, but I do think on the heels of Mike Giardi's report a couple of weeks ago that the Patriots internally are talking about adding a number one wide receiver to their offense. Now they're meeting with three of the best wide receivers in the draft at the combine. It feels like they are searching for that number one wideout. It almost feels like the uncharacteristically aggressive report from last year, doesn't it? Right where you're starting to kind of see all these breadcrumbs and yeah, those are, yeah. I mean, those would be the guys, those, uh, Chab said this, like Jameson Williams, if he was healthy, would be my number one. Uh, with him not being healthy, I think Olave, at least in terms of the Patriots, is my number one right now. Yeah. So that's exciting. We only know about five meetings. All five have been with wide receivers. Those three haven't happened yet. They're expected to happen. And then they met with Dubs and, and Christian Watson, who uh, both sort of fit that same profile, not right. just number one receiver. But, you know, Alave, I guess, is different. Alave could play pretty much anywhere. It depends on how you yeah. want to use him. But Burks, um, Williams, at least at the NFL level, Williams, and then Dubs and, and Watson, those are all X outside the numbers, down deep threat receivers. Alave's right. kind of his own thing. I'm not saying he can't do that. He's just – he's a lot more than that, right? Yeah. Um, but they're clearly, clearly sniffing around the same sort of player here. And whether it's the first round, whether it's later rounds. So that, you know, you mentioned the Giardi report. I think, boom, the lights are flashing right there. They're signaling yeah. to us what they're thinking, whether or not they ultimately do it. We'll see. But remember last year, there's a lot of reports about them sniffing around quarterbacks. And we said, oh, they won't do it because they never do the most obvious thing. And then they made the most chalk pick possible. So right. assuming Alave gets to 21, he he's the most chalk pick possible to me. Again, Williams is his own thing because he has the torn ACL. Olave is the most chalk pick at 21. Do they do it again, in, you know, two years in a row? So I do think that there is a combination of maybe the uncharacteristically aggressive report and what they typically do. And when I look at it, Jamison Williams at 21, even with the ACL, I think they're going to look at as tremendous value because that's probably a player that would be right. a top 10 pick if he was healthy. They've gone down that path before. It hasn't always been successful. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when a player falls, whether it's due to injury or due to some other circumstances, the Patriots have been one of those teams in the past that have grabbed that player and bet on the talent. Jamison Williams would 100% 
bet on the talent type of prospect. He's my wide receiver one in the draft. He's the one guy that I look at and say, if healthy can come into your offense and be an instant star, not just an instant contributor, but an instant star like Jamar chase level type of impact coming into the offense because of his speed and his game breaking ability. Chris Olave is the technician. He's the most polished, probably the most pro ready. If you want to use that draft term out of this group. And he can, as you said, Alex, run routes from multiple alignments, which I do think Jameson can do it a little bit too. He can run inside or run outside, but I think Olave from a, just a technique standpoint and route detail standpoints, probably the receiver that understands what he's going to be asked to do in the Patriots offense the most because of the way that Ohio state runs their scheme. And because of the way that he runs the routes on the route tree that they asked him to run, there's nice overlap there. And you also look at the fact that a lot of reports out there, have said that the Patriots could potentially trade for Calvin Ridley. I would say the best comparison for Chris Olave is probably Calvin Ridley, right? <laughs> so instead of going with the older player that has one year left on his contract, that does have some mental health issues that you have to iron out, they could go with Olave, whose profile is basically the same as what right. Calvin Ridley does from a skill set standpoint. Uh, you got to mention with Olave, he is a vertical route runner. He's not. This is not Julian Edelman. This is not Wes Welker, right? This is somebody that gets up the field. Uh, he can get up the field in a hurry. He's got really good initial burst off the line of scrimmage to threaten defensive backs, but he's also very, very clean at the top of the route and probably the best route break receiver in this entire draft just in terms of the limited wasted movement at the top of the route, right? A lot of these other guys takes you a couple steps to gather, break, plant, you know, do that sort of thing. Olave is in and out, right? I mean, he's really quick in and out of the break. We got to talk about Traylon Burks, though, because this guy, to me, is not Nikhil Harry. But I understand why a lot of fans that watch Traylon Burks' highlights, that go through some of his film, or even read up on Traylon Burks, are going to say, this is exactly like Nikhil Harry. The concern that I have with that line of thinking is, one, Burks is going to run in probably the four threes. Right. So he's quite a bit faster than Nikhil Harry was. Nikhil Harry is a mid four fives guy. This is a four threes guy at 225. You know, he's a difference maker with uh, the ball in his hands. The other thing I would mention is if you're so weary of not making the same mistake twice on Nikhil Harry, then that's how you missed on AJ Brown. Right. You know, because Traylon, because Nikhil Harry and AJ Brown coming out. There wasn't a ton of difference in their profiles. The difference was that A.J. Brown was a more explosive athlete, and that's how we ended up here. So I would just be wary of the fact that you could run into a position where all of a sudden you miss out on the next A.J. Brown or you miss out on the next Debo Samuel because you're so concerned about not drafting the next Harry, if that makes sense. But see, I think something you said there kind of proves my point in that how similar Harry and Brown were yeah. coming out of the draft it's that nature versus nurture thing like this is a big thing in psychology how do right. you study how change affects people you know they try to find twins who grew up in separate you know environments to see okay well you know how is this going to work it's almost like that right you kind of took the same player the same raw skill set and you put him in two environments and what happened you got Nikhil Harry you got AJ Brown it's not about nest when, when you say you know, when we say, oh, well, I'm worried Traylon Burks would end up like Nikhil Harry, that doesn't right. really have to a lot to do with Traylon Burks. It's more so 
we saw a player of this prototype in New England very recently. How did it turn out? I think if Burks lands in the right spot, he'll be a fantastic NFL player. I really do. I like him as a player. I just don't think that spot is New yeah. England. I would rather see them, and they may not have this choice. There's, I, I highly doubt both of these guys are on the board of 21. I really don't think either is going to be on the board of 21. But just for argument's sake, I would if they had to choose between the two, I would rather see them go with a guy like Alave because he's going to fit in more seamlessly. And we talked about this on the last show, Evan, in terms of Wandale Robinson, right? How right. you're weary about Wandale because there's not really a role for him in the current offense as it exists. And you're not confident with the fact that they'll be able to create that role for him. That's basically how I feel about Burks. Even yeah. if he is an electric athlete, I just see them having him go out there and running curls 20 times a game because that's what they did with Nikhil Harry, right? So Or verticals where he's trying to win on contested catches all the time right. or something like so that. Yeah. Give me the guy who I know can fit in seamlessly, can take over a role that already exists and master it instead of a guy that they've got to carve out a new role for. I'm on the same page as you. I like to play devil's advocate because I love Traylon Burks as a prospect, sure. right? I think I he's going to be a fantastic player. Yeah. When I, uh, when I evaluated the draft with Nikhil Harry in 2019, I had Harry and AJ Brown closer than I should have, right? I, I thought that they profiled pretty similar. I thought that they both had the same strengths and weaknesses. What I slept on was that AJ Brown was a much better athlete than Nikhil Harry, right? Because Nikhil Harry looked like a good athlete, but he wasn't actually as translatable as an athlete in explosiveness in the open field as AJ Brown. AJ Brown ran a much better 40 time. I'm just expecting Traylon Burks to run an even better 40 time than AJ Brown did. So that's to me where I'm at coming at with that, but I I'm with you that I would prefer Olave and Jamison over uh, Trey Lombergs for the reasons that you laid out. The fact that yeah. we have seen that player, the Trey Lombergs player fail multiple times here in new England with them trying to go after that kind of guy. Right. And they haven't been able to figure it out. And I would also mention that early on in Trey Lombergs' career, he's going to have to have some scheme touch elements to his game, right? Jet sweeps, screens, uh, just finding ways to manufacture touches. And I'm not sure with their current offensive coaching staff that I'm going to fully trust Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to be able to scheme touches for Traylon Burks. It's the well, same, like you said, it's the same thing as Wandell Robinson just a little bit earlier in the draft. But we, we remember we said that about Nikhil Harry too. How long were we waiting for them to run all these tunnel screens with Nikhil right. Harry and the pop pass? And just now, and even John U. Smith now, like, yeah. I just think we're going to be sitting here in six months or whatever it is talking about, well, why aren't they getting him the ball? Why aren't yeah. they figuring out ways to get him the ball? Or is Chris Olave and their offense is going to be a magnet for the football? Yeah. That's definitely fair. I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just 
use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination but online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts okay uh, last but on this and then we want to go into the positions that we wanted to preview here uh, before we um you know talk about that i wanted to talk about all these other veteran possibilities right calvin ridley's name is still out there a lot linked to the patriots bill barnwell had that trade proposal in his last column, it was a second round pick and chase Winovich for Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I, I don't know where you fall on the Calvin Ridley thing. I don't know if we have to do that, but I'm wondering more so where we are with drafting one of these three guys. We just talked about that they're meeting with an in Indy versus trading for somebody like Calvin Ridley. I mean, assuming Ridley checks out mentally, and I'm not good. I don't know what he's going through. Everybody has their right. own stuff. Like, I don't want to make any assumptions about that. But it, it's yeah. just you do need to figure it out if you're the Patriots, if that's the move you want to make. Yeah. Assuming it all clears, I'm all in on Ridley because I I default, as much as I love the draft, I default to give me the guy who's proven he can do it, right? Yeah. As good of a prospect as some of these guys are, Olave, Williams, whoever, they, they haven't proven they can – compete in the NFL. And there's been a lot of really, really good prospects at every position who got to the NFL and flamed out, right? Ridley has shown he can compete and, and be a difference maker at the NFL level. Outside of that, outside of him, I, I don't know. You know, the free agency class to me, there's some guys you could take risks on and there are guys maybe I would do like a one-year short money prove-it deal. I don't know that these guys would take those deals. I'm talking like the Eric Decker contract, right? The... um who are some of the other ones? Demarius Thomas was one. Kenny Britt would be another. Like, if you want to give low money, right? In one, like, if you want to give, um, what's his name from uh, uh, Houston and Miami, Will Fuller. If you want to give Will Fuller the Kenny Britt deal, sure. I saw some people in the chat talking about Allen Robinson. I, I want. I, I'm giving nothing guaranteed to Allen Robinson. I really yeah, don't want a ton to do with that guy. The fact that his production was as miserable as it was this year is a major red flag. That being said, if he'll come in for like one year, seven million all bonus, and you just see what he has left in the tank, fine. I just don't know that there's that guy that I'm jumping outside of Ridley if he clears mentally that I'm jumping through hoops for to bring in. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. I mentioned the Mike Williams thing, I think, last show as a possibility, but it does sound like more and more the Chargers might actually franchise tag Mike Williams. Just, for the yeah, year. And I, even if he made the open market, I don't think they can afford him. Like, I'm talking yeah. about guys they can afford. Obviously, if they could afford yeah. Devontae Adams, I'd be all in on Devontae Adams. That's not happening. Yeah, I'm not big on Allen Robinson either. The injury history is troublesome. This is not just one in major injury that he's had. He's had multiple in major injuries in his career. I think Calvin Ridley is the perfect fit, not only because I think that he's a fantastic wide receiver. I do think he's a number one. I do think right, that he can right. be a number one in an offense. His last big year was uh, 2020, not this past season, obviously, because he sat out, but in 2020 was the year he went over a thousand yards. Julio Jones wasn't the same guy in that year. And he was hurt in and out of the lineup the entire year. Calvin Ridley was Atlanta's number one in 2020, right? He right. was their go-to guy. I think Calvin Ridley can definitely be that guy here in New England. The other element that I love about Calvin Ridley is he's cheap. 
It's $11 million for one year. So yes, maybe he wants a new contract, but you can backload that contract. So those bigger, bigger cap figures don't actually hit the Patriots cap until Nelson Aguilar is cleared out of here. Maybe Johnny Smith is cleared out of here. Right. And you get that on the back end of Mac Jones's rookie contract instead of next season. So next season at very worst, Calvin Ridley is costing you $11 million. At the very best, it could be less than that. So I think that that's really something that I think that is another really good angle of this and why I think the Patriots might be so interested in it is that they're getting a number one wide receiver, thousand yard guy at a discount, assuming that he is healthy mentally and all ready to go. That's a, that's a Brandon cooks type of trade for the Patriots. Right. So, like, yeah. And I saw somebody in the chat say Brandon cooks. I'd always take Brandon cooks back. I don't know yeah. if he's available or not. If he's available, I'd absolutely take him. Um, the other thing they could do is they could reverse. They could kind of do the reverse of the Brandon cooks trade. You trade for Ridley now, right? He plays under that $11 million fifth year option. Right. You then franchise him. Like let's, and let's say he has a big year, right? You then franchise him and flip him, and maybe get a first round pick back. And then maybe you dip back into the draft for a receiver next year. Yeah. I like that too. Or I even like trading for Calvin Ridley and maybe drafting a guy later in this draft. Right. right? right yeah, or that too. Yeah. Day three, maybe you pick up like a Slade Bolden in the sixth or seventh round or something like that to add another uh, re- receiver, similar to, I guess, what they kind of did in 19 when they got Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, even though Jacoby was an unre- a, uh, undrafted free agent, he was a draftable player that they got as an undrafted free agent. So I don't, I, I like the Calvin Ridley thing as long as it checks out off the field. And I understand why people are concerned about the off field stuff. And we don't, we're not, we're not psychologists. We don't, we don't talk to Calvin Ridley. Uh, There's no way for us to know what, if he's ready to go or not, or if he's going to be reliable or not next year, but we can evaluate what we know. And that is that he's a really, really good football player and would be a perfect fit here. Let's stick with wide receivers. We're going to go position by position and Alex and I are going to each give one prospect that we're really looking forward to watching at the combine later this week during drills and during the workout portion Stick with wideouts. We talked about the three guys in the first round, so give me somebody that's a little bit more of a sleeper later on in the draft. Yeah, uh, so I'll go mid-round, late round. Uh, obviously, I'm watching Wandale. Yeah, I don't know if you said it on the air or off the air. A lot of your evaluation is going to be based on his 40, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to see what he he runs. I'll bring this name up. He's not one of – and by the way, I have a whole list, 40 players to watch on 98.5thesportsup.com. I'm actually going to pull somebody who's not up on that list because he was brought up in the chat earlier. And I'm really interested to see what this player is. Devin Tompkins from Utah State. He's going to be in contention for the fastest receiver in the draft. I think it's him and Bo Melton, who's another guy I'm looking at. His 40 time will be big out of Rutgers. Devin Tompkins might be the fastest receiver in the draft. He's an excellent route runner, especially down the field. He was a pure deep threat. He averaged like 18 yards per catch or something Utah State this year. But he's like 5'8", 155 pounds. I'm just really curious to see what teams think of him. And then on top of that, like, cause this will be his first official way. And I, he wasn't at any of the, you know, the senior bowl, the shrine bowl. Has he put any weight on? Is he not at yeah. the combine? Somebody's saying he's not at the combine. I thought I saw he was. Did he not get the invite? Some guy, there's some surprise non-invites this year. All right. Well, if he's not, then I'll, I'll go with Bo Melton. Yeah, Bo Melton and Wandell Robinson, I think, are two good ones because Yeah, Tompkins isn't there. All right, never mind then. Bo Melton. No invite. Sha- the Shaq Mason. 
treatment there. That's that's rude. So Bo Melton's not uh, uh, Kevin Tompkins isn't going to get drafted now, but unless he kills it as pro day. But uh, Bo Melton and Wandell are good ones because both of those guys are going to have to make yards with the ball in their hands, right? They're going to have to be difference makers as ball carriers. So if I'm Wandell Robinson, anything below a four five for Wandell Robinson, I think is an awesome time. If he runs before below a four five with his initial burst and explosiveness and his shiftiness, that's a really good profile, right? If he runs over four five, then some of the times at UK where he got caught from behind on some of those bigger plays, you start to be a little bit more concerned of whether or not he's going to have that real breakaway speed at the NFL level. Yeah, he might be a slasher, like a game 10, 12, 15 yards at a time, but is he really going to be able to pull away from a defense? Bo Melton needs to run a huge time, right? He needs to be right. more threes or something like that to, to be a, a higher draft pick in like that Isaiah McKenzie territory where he's running track speeds. Right, and just for the right, I just looked it up because I was curious because he's kind of the comp. Debo Samuel ran a four four eight, right? So a four four eight had two ten two fifteen, right? He's he's a he's a thick boy, right? That's about what Wandale is, isn't he? I think he's a little smaller than Debo, but yeah, they're, they're similar profiles. I, I would agree, uh, yeah. and similar usage rates as well. The way they were used, I'll give you one uh, for myself. I'm gonna go with Sky Moore. I think that Sky Moore has a really good chance to put up a big number too. And when I watch him play, he does remind me of Julian Edelman. I I hate making those types of comparisons because I I feel like we shouldn't just compare every slot receiver to Julian Edelman or Wes Welker, but I really watch Sky Moore run routes and the way that he threatens guys in the first couple of steps off the line of scrimmage, not just the fact that he's got good speed and good burst down the field, but the way that he really gets after it in the release and in the leverage on the stem, that reminds me so much of Edelman because Edelman was so hard to cover because he could open up early in the route, right? You just couldn't stick with him early on in the route. And then you were playing catch up from behind the whole time. I think Sky Moore has a similar way about him. And I also think he kind of has that Edelman knack in the open field where he can kind of bob and weave and set up blocks and be able to create after the catch as well. Maybe not the best game breaker with the football in his hands or vertical route runner, but he definitely did that a little bit in college. So I'm wondering how fast is he? I've heard some rumors uh, from just people around the league that Sky Moore is going to run a four, three, you know, really put up a huge time. And and if he does that, he might be a top 50 pick, right? He might be somebody that goes at the end of the top 50, if he's able to put up something that good. So Sky Moore is somebody I'm really interested in watching as well. Uh, let's put move Christian on. Watson in that category too. Christian Watson's going to run. He might run in the four twos. That's he, what I'm saying. Like, let's say he comes out and runs like a four, two, five, four, two, six. He's, I think he's five. 80 right now on the consensus board. Yeah. You think he can sneak like he could sneak. He's six, five. If he's six, five and runs four, two, something, does he sneak into the top 50? I think it's possible. He's one of the most fun watches I've studied in this entire class at wide receiver, because not only can he get up the field and create vertical separation, but then they'll put him in the backfield and they'll hand him the ball on jet sweeps or even real true tailback reps where he's playing yeah. running back and he's smooth. He, he He's elusive at six foot five. He's as Gumby like, right? He's just, he, he's right. elusive. And he's got wiggle 
at that size, I, I don't know. It, it's definitely rare. I, you don't see that all the time. And that definitely uh, makes you excited about what he could be once he adds to his repertoire. Right now, he's basically, they schemed up vertical deep shots down the field or he's taking jet sweeps. Those are the two right. things he did at North Dakota State. So not the most diverse route tree, uh, but I think that they can get there with a guy like Christian Watson just because of his physical skills. I would also throw out there uh, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. His tape really took me by surprise. I didn't think I was going to be super high on him. Uh, He's got some really good releases, uh, moves really well for a guy of his size. I'm interested to see how much speed he has as well. But, yeah, Sky Moore really just kind of seems like one of those guys that I I think is going to really creep up boards. A lot of people like to compare him to Cooper Cup. But I think he might be a better athlete than Cooper Cup was coming out. Cooper Cup had the production, certainly had the work ethic, and that's why we're here where we are with Cooper Cup. But uh, he ran in the four fives, I want to say, uh, when he came out in the draft. He's not. I think Sky Moore is a much better athlete coming out uh, than Cooper Cup was. So uh, those are a couple wide receivers, a lot of wide receivers. And you want Cooper Cup's forty time oh, yeah, for me. reference is uh, four six two. Oh my gosh, that was way worse than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why he fell, right? Obviously, yeah. Uh, the fourth round, I think it was, right? And uh, I, I even the fourth think, like, or I think uh, it was third, sixty ninth pick overall. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he went in the top one hundred with a forty time like that. That's all. <laughs> that's all tape, right? I mean, he had yeah. great tape, uh, no doubt about that. I don't think a couple of George Pickens mentions, and I don't think he's participating, right? I mean, he's been injured. Uh, he was healthy for the national championship game. So maybe, maybe he is participating in Indy. I'm not sure. Uh, he would be interesting to see as well. Cause we haven't really seen a ton of him uh, over the last couple of years. He's on the list of invites. I mean, so is Jameson Williams. Like he'll be there. Right. I don't know if he means he's participating, but right. Okay. Uh, let's talk about offensive line. Not exactly. The combine is not exactly for offensive linemen, right? But the Patriots certainly have a need at, future need I would say at left tackle depending on what they decide to do with Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn this could be an immediate need at one of the tackle spots uh, who are you looking for uh, you can go first round you can go later wherever you want to go with this yeah I mean I think the one big thing is to get official measurements on a lot of these guys right yeah and you know there's some guys there's like 20 to 30 pound ranges that you see them listed as yeah you know I've seen guys like um like my guy, Darren Kennard, I've seen him anywhere from 320 to 350. And that that's, that, that's two different players, you know, so kind of get an even height too. You see guys from six, four to six, seven, that sort of thing. I'm actually, and I agree with you on the tackle thing. I do. Um, and I think again, separation, that group can, can Trevor Penning continue to build the momentum. He, he started at the senior bowl, but I'm actually looking later on more immediate because if you look the last couple of years, right. The Patriots have made a habit of selecting these guys that are, you know, two to four spot offensive linemen, guys who can either play, you know, both right guard and right tackle, guys who can play both tackle spots, both guard spots. They got William Sherman last year, who was a four position player. So I'm looking at, okay, are, are any of these guys that are maybe multiple position players? Because you have to be athletic to do that. Yeah. So are any of these guys who are multiple position linemen potentially going to pop this week and catch their attention? I got two for you. Jamari, I think it's Sawyer, Sailor, uh, uh, S-A-L-Y-E-R out of Georgia. Um, he was Georgia's left tackle this past year. He's played guard as well. He had a monster game against Michigan, against Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. 
in the semifinal. He projects a four-position guy, had a good year. He's supposed to be maybe a late two, day two pick, but they kind of have him right now around the fourth round. The other one I'll give you, I would I rarely say this about players because even like the, oh, he's such a Patriot, guys, only, yeah. up in, only end up in New England, what, like 10, 15% of the time? I would be surprised if Cade Mays is not a Patriot by May. Cade Mays was Tennessee's starting center this year. Uh, not only is he a multi-year captain, he's a captain at multiple schools. He's a transfer. He transferred from Georgia to Tennessee. So that they like transfers, right? He has started, Evan, at all five spots on the offensive line during his college career. And did so at, you know, blue chip programs, Georgia and Tennessee. He's probably a guard-center hybrid at the NFL. I don't think he's playing tackle. He's not quite that big at the next level. But he still has that experience. That's a Patriot. That's a Patriot draft pick right there. Started at all five spots, projected day three pick, Cade Mays. Let's see if he stands out at all. There's a lot of buzz that the day three offensive line is going to be where the value is at that position group, right? That this draft is deep on the offensive line, and there's going to be a lot of really good starting caliber players, especially because some of the other positions like wide receiver, like linebacker, like edge defender, outside linebacker, those positions have a lot of depth that are going to go early in the draft. So some of these offensive linemen are going to get knocked down on day three. I would also say that if you look across the league, a lot of the talent that's starting on offensive lines nowadays in the NFL are day three guys. There's not a ton of offensive lines that are built at a high draft picks. The Patriots have gotten away with this for years. Obviously a big part of it was Dante Scarnecchia, but Isaiah Wynn, is the only high draft pick on that entire line, right? David Andrews undrafted. Shaq right. Mason was what fourth round, fifth round, somewhere That's in there. That's right. Yeah. On when it was sixth round. Trent Brown was a seventh round pick back in the day. So they've always made a living off of taking these guys on day three and, and turning them into starting caliber players. So I like the depth in the offensive line draft. I do want to talk about Penning though, because he's yep. somebody that I think when you go to a school like Northern Iowa, uh, you need to be a fantastic athlete to go in the first round from that level of competition, especially because at the senior bowl, he didn't exactly wow people, right? He was, he was nasty. He got, he got into it with pretty much everybody across from him, which some people will like, but he did have some flaws down there in mobile. He did have some issues with certain types of rushers down there in mobile. So if you're going to take a guy like Penning at 21 or have him in the conversation at 21, he better be, a measurables guy. He better check all the boxes. He better be a fantastic athlete. You don't take a guy that's a little bit undersized, like an Isaiah Wynn, if you, he went to a lower level school. Like they they right. take Isaiah Wynn that high because right. he went to Georgia and he played in the SEC. Uh, if you go and you and you take some of these guys, like uh, Raymond from uh, Central Michigan, right? Uh, you have those guys. You have Penning from Northern Iowa. Uh, you have Max Mitchell, who I like a little bit from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Tyler Smith from Tulsa, who has a lot of people on his train as well. Those guys have to test well. They have to play, perform well at the combine if they're going to go as high as some people are projecting them to go. Trevor Penning is definitely a realistic possibility at 21, uh, depending on what happens with Trent Brown, with Isaiah Wynn. Uh, He's someone that we've talked about before, but we're going to continue to talk about here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move forward. Oh, you want to do running back real quick. We can, we can each give a running back. Give give me one running back. Yeah. The more I watch, like, I didn't think he was really going to be my guy coming into this draft, but the more I watch Tyler Beatty out of Missouri, the more I, I just kind of see like a Patriot, a Patriots back. He is what I think 
everybody wants J.J. Taylor to be, right? Yeah. He's just – J.J. Taylor came in as a running back that they try to turn into a third down back. Beatty's right. on the smaller side too, but he knows how to pass block. He's a better route runner. He's what I think everybody kind of thought Taylor would develop into. So he's, you know, fourth, fifth round pick right now. That's probably a sweet spot to go grab that guy. I think they need a pass catching back. Uh, so I'm interested to see what does he run? And I know it's a really archaic drill, but what does he put up on the bench? I yeah. do think that kind of matters with a guy of that size if you're going to ask him to pass protect. So I think he's going to go a little bit higher than most Patriots fans want them to take a running back. But Kieran Williams from Notre Dame is an awesome third down running back prospect, right? He's somebody that can pass, protect, and catch the football. Uh, Lance Zerline's comp for him is Deion Lewis, right? So he's somebody right. that uh, can really play that role at a high, high level. So maybe an end of the third round type of guy, probably a top 100, maybe a little bit too early for the Patriots to take a running back. Uh, but Kieran Williams from Notre Dame can definitely play that James White role. Uh, he, I'll he, say that. He probably yeah, no, be one. I The one thing I would say to that is I think James Cook is a very comparable player. He'll probably go 20, 25 picks later. Right. And that's how the Patriots approach this, right? I yeah. think, you know, they, they'll look at that spot and say, we could grab Williams now, or we can realistically wait until our next pick, get Cook. I just think they'd go that way. So yeah. the, the running back class like, is staggered really weird. Yeah, or even like a C.J. Verdell later on in the draft. Right, I mean, he's or, later. Yeah, C.J. Yeah. Verdell. We talked um, about tiers and, and clusters and all that kind of stuff. This is where we get into that with Karen Williams. Let's talk about defense. It's more important than running back anyways. Defensive line. Let's well, wait, think, actually, can I give one more on the offense side of the ball? Real quick, yeah. I know I know you didn't want to do tight ends. No. Nope. But uh, there's a guy named Connor Hayward out of Michigan State. He was a running back for two years, converted to tight end. He's a big dude. He's six foot two thirty. He's not quite a move fullback, but he's a fullback that can give you a little something in the passing game. He's yeah. a really unique player. He was at the Senior Bowl. He's he's a guy who's going to be on their radar. He's a guy who kind of has that different. I think there could be. They're going to bring in at least one fullback. I think from undrafted free agency to even if they re-sign Jakob Johnson. The one right. thing that we've watched them do in the last couple of years. Ben Mason, uh, yeah. Dan Vitale is potentially trying to get somebody that can catch some passes from so, that spot too, and not just be a lead blocker. So this is Hayward. He, again, cause he, he caught 30 passes when he moved to tight end this year. Yeah. He also was among the team leaders in special teams tackles. He covers kicks. So he screams day three developmental Patriots pick. Uh, uh, and I'm blanking on his first name again. I just said it's Connor, right? Yeah. Uh, Connor Hayward out of Michigan State's a guy to watch. I think he's the he was the only fullback at the senior bowl. So for whatever that's worth. Interesting. All right. Defensive line. We could yeah. turn this part of the show into the Jordan Davis uh, fest <laughs> if we wanted to. I do want to say this about Jordan Davis. Uh, be prepared for how well he's going to move. Like this guy is not. I've been telling you. I've been not, trying to tell you. Uh, you, you texted me the other day. I don't want to throw the person under the bus, but they, they used Ted Washington as a comparison for, yeah. for Jordan Davis. He moves so much better than anybody like a Ted Washington. He's not in that mold at all. Uh, he's, he's a, a really good athlete. He's been posting some things on Instagram of him doing workouts and stuff like that, getting ready for the combine. And he's doing bag drills and things like that. Like he's 50 pounds lighter than what he actually is. He's an absolute freak. Jordan Davis is a big one. We've talked a lot about Jordan Davis, his positional value as a true nose tackle. Is it high enough to draft him at a spot like 21? I've gone back and forth with a lot of people on this topic. 
we can go there or we can uh, give uh, anybody else that you want to give on the defensive line. Yeah. So I'll give you, um, I, I think they stack up real easily. Jordan Davis, he's there at 21, which by the way, I think this is the, when do, uh, when do defensive linemen work out again? Is it Friday? I think it's, I think it's Saturday. Saturday. So yeah. we'll have Thursday show Thursday shows. The last time I think we'll realistically be able to talk about Jordan Davis at 21. I think that's it. Cause teams are going to realize I've been saying this for weeks. He's a unicorn. There is no comp. And I like player comps. I know right. you don't. I do. I think they make these things easier to understand. I think sometimes people use them incorrectly. There is no comp for Jordan Davis. He's a 6'6", yeah. 340-pound speed rusher. That's that, that's unheard of. And I've tried to come up with a couple. And the clo- I, I mentioned this one to you yesterday. It was Linval Joseph, who's a much better player than he gets credit for. But even Linval Joseph, who I think has like 24 career sacks, like he's not a nobody as a pass rusher. Right. It still doesn't feel like it's doing it full justice what Jordan Davis's potential is, but he's I think he's closer to somebody like Linval than he is to somebody like Ted Washington, right? I I think that we're talking a little bit more explosive, a little bit more spry than somebody like I mean, that. The football I not that he's a dumb player, but the, the guy I'm gonna name is just so, so, so crafty. Yeah. But imagine six, six, three hundred and forty pound Aaron Donald. I don't know if he's quite that. But that would be with his. I'm saying with his size. Yeah, like somebody threw out Fletcher Cox. I think we're you're getting close to the ballpark there. I think he's going to be better than Fletcher Cox because he just moved. There's no the only defensive lineman. The, the reason I bring up Donald here's why. Yeah, the only defensive lineman who move like Davis does, like defensive tackles that move like Davis does, are 40 to 50 pounds lighter than he is. And the yeah. guys who are that light don't play nose because they're not big enough. That's why you can't find a comp for Jordan Davis. The skill set just isn't, it's, it's never been passed in the NFL before. So anyway, I think Jordan Davis is, is out of the picture at 21 by, by Saturday, but since we still have him here, three tiers, this is real easy. First round for, for the Patriots, even tackle first yeah. round, Jordan Davis, mid round, Travis Jones, late yeah. round, Marquand McCall. Yeah. That's that's it. Those are the guys. Jordan Davis, we talked a lot about him during the Senior Bowl from UConn. He's big. Uh, not Jordan Davis. Travis Jones we talked about him during the Senior Bowl from Travis UConn. Jones might be out of the conversation too because he might be in that and that tweener pick, right? Like he, they don't, right. they might not have a pick in his range. He's well, gonna, he's I, he might creep into the back end of the first round if he tests well. I I think he ends up being early second, and I could see them yeah. moving up for him like they did Barmore last year. Sure. Um, doesn't move like Davis does, but he's got the size. He's a legitimate problem against the run. Yeah. And then you go down further, Marquand McCall, 380 pounds. Monster. Not going to give you much athletically, but boy, does he eat gaps. He's also a really hard worker, really I smart wish kid by all I wish he was longer. Maybe we'll see how he how he measures this yeah. week at the Combine because the one thing that point I – consistently saw with his tape the reason why he's not as much of a playmaker on the nose as some of these other guys is because he doesn't have the length right he doesn't have that ability to lock out his arms and extend and push guys off of him so he's just eating contact right he just he just absorbs it instead of being able to defeat it like a guy like jordan davis can he's more just absorbing all of it into his body which is not necessarily bad when you have other playmakers around him but yeah yeah, no, that's why what I was going to say, just like in terms of the Patriots, right? When you have Christian Baumler lining up next to him or Matthew Judon coming off the edge or, you know, we'll see what Josh Uche becomes. When you have these athletic guys coming off the edge, right? you may only need a guy to eat blockers. You may not yeah. need him. Like the Patriots have had those. Uh, Alan Branch was kind of like that. He was a playmaker earlier in his New England career, but later on, 
when he kind of dropped off a bit athletically, he was still able to eat blockers. So I like, you know, it goes back to the value thing again. Do they want to take Travis Jones in the second round and use that premium pick on him when they may get all the production they need from Marquand McCall, who they can probably take in the sixth? That's a good point. A lot of people in the chat, a lot of people all over the place mentioning Devontae Wyatt for the Patriots as well. I, I did want to talk about him briefly. I think that he's an interesting prospect for it, for them, but I do think he's a little bit redundant to Christian Barmore. Uh, they might have some overlap there. Could they play both of them at the same time? Absolutely. I think there's a way that you can do that. I do think it's got to be an odd front. I do think that you do have a, need to have a true nose tackle to make that happen, yeah. right? So I think those are two things that you would have to look into if you want to pair a guy like Wyatt with Barmore, who basically – the same guy just a year later, uh, I think is a one thing I would mention. The other guy I, I would say is uh, Logan Hall from Houston, who I think has got three, four Patriots defensive end written all over him. Like he's somebody that can play a five technique and do it really, really well. Uh, he had tremendous production down at that level of the FBS at Houston. I'm wondering to see what kind of athlete he is, right? You know, you want to see if he's a, a real uh, blue chip type of athlete here at the combine. He had really good tape though. And he can basically do everything from line up over the nose on pass rush situations on third down to kicking out over the tackle on uh, early down situations and being that five technique defensive end. He's an interesting player to watch as well. Edge defenders, outside linebacker sorry Alex well, well, so no so let me see there is one because if you're yeah. good we were really doing defensive tackles there there is another like defensive lineman i throw out perry yeah. on winfrey the senior bowl mvp yeah got kind of how you described logan hall i would kind of say winfrey fits a similar bill yeah um, he's but he's he, he might go be a little more later. of like a true three technique but he, he's if you win mvp of the senior bowl and we're talking about a patriot show then we absolutely have to talk about him right well, i mean there's no way right. to avoid it. he's the guy people are saying put wyatt next to barmore again i don't know that that works because the size winfrey's a little bit bigger a little bit more stout i think if you want to kind of pair those two athletic defensive tackles together i look at a guy like perry on winfrey would, would be the pick for me if you want to find somebody put next to Barmore in that mold. Yeah, I, I like that as well. Okay, let's talk about edge. Uh, this yep. is probably, besides maybe wide receiver, I'd say the deepest position in the draft. There's not necessarily... Uh, a linebacker, true, like middle linebacker is pretty good. Linebacker is good too. Uh, it's yep. not necessarily as top heavy in terms of there's no Miles Garrett, there's no Nick Bosa, there's no one of those guys at the very top. I don't think Aiden Hutchinson is on that level. I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is on that level, but the guys that we're going to see go in like one through 60 at the edge defender position, it's going to be in the double digits. It's going to be a lot of guys going in this draft there. Uh, I think in the first round, it's probably a little bit too early uh, for the Patriots to look edge. But the one guy I wanted to mention early on in the draft, who I don't think we've talked about enough is Trayvon Walker. Uh, from Georgia, who feels like a Bill type of defender because he can line up anywhere and everywhere on the defensive front, right? He's one of those players that's going to be an early down outside linebacker over the tackle type of guy. But then on pass rush situations in your sub package, he can kick inside over the center or over the guard how they've used Dante Hightower kind of in the past and rush over those players in the interior as well. He is a chameleon. He can be everywhere. Uh, he can drop into coverage effectively off the line of scrimmage as well. He can play the run. 
there are some people in the draft community that I really respect and trust, like Dane Brugler from The Athletic, that have Trayvon Walker as a top 10 talent in this draft. You look at his versatility, his ability to just be wherever he need, wants to be or needs to be, uh, that feels like a Bill Belichick front seven player, right? Just tons and tons of versatility and kind of getting slept on because that Georgia defense is just so deep and, and there's just so many names to talk about. But Trayvon Walker in the league is not getting slept on. That guy's going to be a, a first-round pick. If not a top 20 pick, he's going first round for sure. Uh, so I wanted to mention him. Who do you got on the edge uh, rushers here? Well, so yeah, then he probably does. He's probably not in the Patriots conversation then. He, it depends. You know, I think guys like Dane are so well plugged in that maybe they have him super high because they know the league is super high on Trayvon Walker and he ends up going higher uh, than what a lot of the consensus boards have him at. But we'll see where they, that falls. You know, he could be there at 21, uh, but he's definitely somebody that uh, a lot of people in the league are extremely high on. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'll go with the guy that, it, you know, kind of fits that same bill in, in, in terms of he's such a fit in New England. I, on the draft network, the second line in his scouting report is best fit in a Belichick-type defense, yeah. and that's Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. I mean, he could line up really from defensive tackle to middle linebacker. He doesn't play a ton of middle linebacker. He did it a couple times, mostly defensive tackle to outside linebacker, but really, really smart football player, very disciplined guy. You know, all of his motions have a purpose. Three-time captain, uh, plays all four downs. You talk about like the third round pass rusher kind of train that's going here between right. – Chase Winovich and Anthony Jennings and Ronnie Perkins. And I know that that's not names Patriots fans are hyped about, but Josh Pascal to me kind of fits that mold as the next guy in that line. Uh, he may be a better fit than any of those three guys I just named. He may be the best fit for this defense of any of them. So Josh Pascal is definitely somebody I'll be watching this week. Yeah. I like what I like about Pascal too, for them is he can play with his hand in the dirt as like a defensive end, right? right. Or even as like a three tech at times uh, playing up even further inside, like over the guard. So I actually think that from his athletic profile, he might be more of like a hand in the dirt defensive end for them, which isn't bad, right? I think he can no. be a protective player there, but I actually moved him over to defensive line from edge because I'm not sure he's a true to, uh, you know, on your feet outside linebacker. Stand up, right? yeah. Yeah, he might be somebody that they'd see more as a, as a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. But either way, I, I like Pascal a lot, too. You can tell that he's one of those guys that just gets football, right? He just yeah. understands what he's looking at, where he's supposed to be, how he fits into the puzzle. And those guys are always, obviously very, very valuable uh, here with the Patriots. All right. Well, well, so let me add one more because you're talking about, you know, maybe if Pascal can't stand up, that's the guy they want. Mm -hmm. Jesse Lucchetta from Penn State is, you know, silver players. Guy. Yeah. What? The other Penn State edge guy. He's he's my he's my favorite Penn State edge guy, honestly. Like he's so I look at how they used Kyle Van Noy last year. Yeah. And he had a lot more coverage responsibilities than he had his first time here. And now there's talks about they can move on from him because of the salary cap, et cetera. Luquette is a guy to me who could fill that role because right. he's a good, he's good at setting the edge against the run. He's not, he's, but he's better. Most guys who are like good run stoppers, like solid downhill run stoppers, they're better pass rushers than they are in coverage because the skill set translates better. Luquette is a run stopper who's maybe better in coverage than he is rushing the passer. It's not a very common prototype. And again, they had Kyle Van Noy played that role incredibly well this past year. And I think, 
having a guy in that role did a lot for the defense. So whether actually whether they move on from Van Noy this year or not, he's going to be in the last year of his deal as a plan to kind of have somebody behind Kyle Van Noy. Jesse Lucchetta, again, that day two edge guy that, you know, they've really been into that, that pattern in the draft. Lucchetta is another guy that I wonder if he could fit. But again, in coverage, you got to be able to move. So that's why the combine could be big for him. Yeah, I think that the, a big thing about the way that they set up on the edge is that Matthew Judon, throughout the course of the season, it definitely felt like they felt better with him on the weak side of the formation versus being the strong side edge guy right. where all he had, where his primary responsibility was setting the edge. When they allowed him to play the weak side, they could kind of unlock him to go make plays a little bit more. So have, Kyle Van Noy does a great job on the strong side edge. Having another guy in waiting to take over for Kyle Van Noy as a guy that can take on those combination blocks between the tackle and the tight end and hold up, uh, that's going to be an important role, I think, for them to fill here in the next year or two because Judon really is a backside player, right? Allowing yeah. him to pin his ears back and get after it is really important. So I think that that's a big thing. Okay. We got, let's linebackers here. Here's the big yep. one, right? Devin Lloyd. I want to say there's a chance that you mentioned Jordan Davis, us not talking about Jordan Davis being at there at 21. I, I'm, I'm beginning to think that Devin Lloyd's not going to be there at 21 either. Right. I, I think that this is a player that just does too many things well that NFL teams are going to think he's Micah Parsons, right? And maybe not a, not maybe not a hundred percent Micah Parsons, but like B list Michael Parsons. Right. And then that's going to be enough. Right. I think for him to go top 10, top 15. Oh, we, we see this all the time. There's a guy in the draft. that's a home run. And then for the next two or three years, everybody's trying to find the next version of that guy. Right. And these players end up getting taken way higher than they should. They end up being bust. There's two of those in this draft. I think Lloyd is one for Parsons. I think Kenny Pickett, uh, is that as well because of Mac Jones? Yeah. I think a lot of teams saw what the Patriots did with Mac Jones, trying to get their own. And Kenny Pickett is the most logical guy. The fact that that guy, and look, my brother went to Pitt. I watch a decent amount of Pitt football. Having, and look, he was better in 2021 than he had been. But having watched him for three years, that that guy could be the number one quarterback in the draft. Um, I don't think that happens without Mac Jones having the season he had. I'll say that. Um, right. You look at Devin Lloyd and you look at his tape as a pass rusher on the edge. That's going to give so many people Micah Parsons vibes, right? His ability right. to rush the passer and play off the ball. I think that you're going to see him have a really good combine week, and we're going to be talking about him as a top 10 guy, not not anymore at 21. So with that in mind, we got to talk about who could be available for the Patriots. Well, so can I, can I handle the, the other first round linebacker real quick? Yes. Nicobe Dean, Patriots fans, I, I know you want him. him. I know athleticism at linebacker. Dean. You got to get over it because they, he's a safety. Uh, he's a safety in their scheme. If they draft him, they have to overhaul the defense. They, he's Kyle Duggar. That's basically who he is. He's Kyle Duggar. With better they instincts, all, yeah. They, uh, Kyle Duggar's very good instincts. They also have Adrian Phillips. Like I should they, better instincts against the run, I guess, is where, okay. where I'm going with that, right? But they're not – I just – I think they'll see him as a safety. I think they'll see him as a safety, yeah. and I – He's not a fit and he's going to fall. This is why he's going to be there at 21. He's tremendously talented, but right. you see this with different players at different positions. He's not, he's not scheme universal. Certain teams, he just doesn't present that kind of value. So there's going to be fall certain teams. I think the Patriots might be one of them that just crosses them off in the first round altogether because of that's what job. I'm saying. It so reminds me of a, a joke last year from Notre Dame. I, I can't yeah. say the name. Jock, jock, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's in, more, I think it was. He's in Cleveland, right? Uh, yeah. It reminds me so much of him because he was clearly, clearly on tape, one of the 20, 25 best players in the draft last year. No questions asked. He was a terrific, terrific study. But I think he fell into the second round, right? Because of the fact that he's a tweener. He's not really a safety, but he's not really a linebacker. He's kind of one of these money backer hybrids. As valuable as that role can be, it's some teams are not going to view it as an every down first round type of role. And I think that Kobe Dean right. might fall into a similar category. 52nd overall pick, by the way, John, yeah. was last year. And Dean's Great a better team. player. I still think Dean ends up going in the first round, but he just he doesn't have the same value to all the teams when the Patriots are on that list. Yeah. Okay, so other than those guys, well, let's I, hit the sweet spot now. I think the value of the day two linebackers in this draft is absolutely tremendous to the point where if you draft a guys guys that are different enough, I w- wouldn't rule out double dipping if you have the extra pick, Ooh. right? If they, if okay. they end up trading down for it, right? And, and let's say right. Hightower and Bentley aren't here. I think there's a really good chance that they try to grab two of these guys. Maybe they grab one on in round four or round uh, six or something like that later on in the draft and double dip that yeah. way just because of how great the depth is. We've talked a lot about Quay Walker. I think we've hit a little bit on Christian uh, Harris and uh, Darian Beavers as well in this draft. I, I want to talk about Chad Mama, who okay. uh, I think I need to hype up Chad Mama more than I've already done because Go for it. he is, I think, in a lot of ways – the best run defender in this entire draft, this position, his feel and his instincts and his play recognition to go along with how well he moves. I think he's going to be a tackling machine at the next level. I think this guy's going to have a hundred plus tackles a year, year after year after year, as long as everything goes well for him health wise, he's got some size to him. He's not a small player by any means, a six, three, two forty five, two fifty. but it's really when you watch him scrape move laterally from gap to gap, how he paces it out, how he's able to read it, how he's able to mirror the running back's movements and not overreact to anything or overplay his hand. He has a ton of really good football instincts. And I think at that position, that's still important at that spot. You have to be smart. You have to be cerebral. You have to be the quarterback of the defense. I think Chad Moma is somebody that can be a future quarterback of this Patriots defense in the middle there. And he can cover. I think he can move. I think he's got enough coverage ability but he's still got enough of that old school run defense that they're going to like. I know Leo Chanel is going to be another one that everybody's going to talk about. I'm not as high on him as some other people are, but he's a fiery, he's a jackass out there, quite frankly. Like he just (laughs) plays like a dick. Uh, I like him a lot too, but I don't know if he moves as well as somebody like Chad Mama. Uh, Who do you got here? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, there's a big three, right? Yeah. It's uh, Walker, Mama, in Harris, in yeah. in whatever order, like I, I probably said that backwards. Harris, I'd actually go Harris Walker Mama. So yeah, I was but, close to putting Harris way up there, but yeah, I think the, all those guys are gonna Harris gonna go in the second round, Walker Mama late second, early third. You gotta, I think the Patriots gotta walk away with one of those three. I would pass yeah. on a linebacker in the first round, Lloyd Dean. I think you gotta walk away with one of those three. And you talk about doubling up if Hightower and Bentley leave. I know you're not high on on Chenault because he's more that old school linebacker. He's 360. Yeah. He's only playing downhill. He doesn't really move laterally. Laterally, but if you're pairing him with Chad Mama or you're pairing yeah. him with Quay Walker, right? Or well, Christian now, now Christian Walker, right? Well, no, Quay Walker. Christian Quay Walker. Harris, Quay Walker. Yeah. If you're pairing, if you're pairing Leo Chenault with one of those three, right? 
now you're real. Now you're really in my attention. Now you're really in business. So, well, because you got the the idea of how the Patriots have set it up at times in the right. past is you got the thumper and you got the runner, right? You have right. The, the guy that's on the strong side off the ball. That's going to take on the lead blocker. That's going to blow the play up strong side. And you got the guy that's going to chase the, the ball carrier, right? You got North South, you got East West. Exactly. So if you right. compare, if you pair somebody like a Leo Chanel, who's just going to come downhill and absolutely destroy the line right. of scrimmage North, with Christian Harris, then you, then you have that type of combination. Right. And if you fill other needs in other places, uh, maybe free agency or a trade, you bring in Calvin Ridley, you don't need to draft a wide receiver high. M- maybe the Patriots are higher on their defensive line group than a lot of people are, which I don't wouldn't sleep on. You have Barmore coming back, Godshaw, Wise, Lawrence Guy, all these guys under contract on the defensive line. Taking two linebackers is not out of the question, especially if you, like you said, make sure that they have complementary skill sets. So the other thing you could do, and again, I said, I want to see the Patriots walk away with one of those. I'm calling them the big three Harris Walker mama. And I look, I like beavers too. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm missing somebody else. Am I, um, Tyndall is another one in that group like yeah. those guys, but not as much, not as much. Those three Harris Walker mama, my big three, but let's say you miss on those guys. You do grab Chanel in the third, but you still want to pair him with that East West guy. There's Sorry, two. What? Troy Anderson. So I got two. Troy okay. Anderson from Montana yeah. State. You talk about being the quarterback of the defense. Troy Anderson, and I love this. And if they draft Troy Anderson, you're going to hear this. I don't know if it's a stat, fact, whatever for me forever. He was an all-conference quarterback and an all-conference linebacker. Yeah. I don't know how many people have done that, it, it, especially in the modern era. That's wildly impressive to me. And if you don't think that is just setting off fireworks in the Patriots' face – you haven't been following what this team does in the draft. So Troy Anderson is one. The other guy, he's later. He might be more developmental. And this is even if you want to triple up at linebacker and get one of those big three, Anchanel and this guy, Nate Landman from Colorado. He's a little bit smaller. Yeah. 6'2", 230. He's a little bit on the smaller side. They've, but given, he, they've given some leeway got, with this with the size yeah. profile later in the draft, right? And, right. Here's the other thing about him. Yeah, he's very smart, very smart player. He gets on the ball. He knows where to be so he can get there earlier. That helps. He's a multi-year captain and he can play special teams. So he's a guy, again, that maybe more as a prospect or as a project. But I, I don't I don't know if you've watched Landman. I know sometimes you don't dive that deep in the draft. Not not yet. Maybe okay. April. I, I see him as like a sixth, seventh round guy, even if they've taken a linebacker to uh, Landman being a guy that they could be interested in. I like Brandon Smith from Penn State too, or and uh, on back on day two. When's the last time they took a Penn State guy? I don't think they're going to. 2009. Take- they've done it yeah. once under Bill Rich yeah. uh, no, uh, Ornberger. What's his name? Ornberger. Yes. Um, yeah. Fourth round, 2009. Damon uh, Clark. Want- I was going to say, do we want to no. talk about Damon Clark because no, he's been I'm rumored. All set. I'm all set. A lot of tape on Damon Clark of him making tackles, racking up tackles. 10 plus yards by, by, you know, pass the line scrimmage, right? Like he's, he's the guy, he's cleaning up tackles 40 yards down the field and, and accumulating a lot of tackles that way. I, I didn't really see it with Damon Clark. I, I think he's a good player uh, for a role in a defense, right? But in yep. terms of a difference maker at the next level, I, I think he's kind of like a role player, a uh, good depth kind of guy. Uh, maybe your third 
inside linebacker. You really need two of those guys. Maybe he's your third or a, a low level two. I, I don't think he's changes the complexion of the way that you look at your linebacker right. core, if that makes sense. And and we just talked about this too. And, and still Damon Clark's projected to be what a third, fourth round pick. Right. That's kind of the description you just gave. I would say Nate Landman fits that he's a guy who's probably going to be there sixth, seventh round. You can get kind of the same thing. All right. We are already over an hour, but we're going to keep pushing through this. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's a combine preview special. It's you long, it's whatever. Go a few hours. Uh, cornerbacks here, cornerbacks, not quarterbacks, cornerbacks. First round, you got the Washington DBs, right? Kyler Gordon, right. Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth Jr., who I think maybe draft Twitter, draft media is a little bit higher on somebody like Booth than the NFL is just based off of where he is on some people's boards right now, uh, some of the plugged-in media. So Andrew Booth Jr. is an interesting conversation. Uh, there's some guys later on in the draft and on day two that I think are interesting. Uh, this is a position where I would be really shocked if they don't take somebody in the draft at corner, because regardless of JC Jackson's situation, they just need bodies at that spot. And they need some, right. they need somebody with upside too. Right. Because I think that Juwan Williams, that ship has sailed. Uh, so they need somebody that could potentially come in here. And even if it's not right away, two or three years down the line can develop into a starting caliber corner. Well, I think we both know who that guy is, but we'll get to him in a little bit. I'll tear this like yeah. I did with the defensive tackles. And yeah. I'm mostly focused on outside corners. They're good in the slot for now. You still got Jonathan Jones under contract. I know right. Miles Bryant had a rough goal of it against Buffalo, but I still think he's a good player. So first round, outside corners. First round, maybe realistic. This might change after this week. Andrew Booth Jr., you sold me on him. You've given him enough rave reviews. Yeah. Middle round, Josh Job. I think Josh, Josh Job is interesting to me because a lot of the reasons he's not a first round pick are things that are going to be insignificant to the Patriots. He doesn't have a lot of scheme versatility. This is kind of the flip of what I talked about with Nicobe Dean earlier. Right. Josh Jobs really only a press man corner. So a lot yeah. of teams are going to write him off. Patriots want press man corners. They don't care that he can't play zone. Right. So they might see him as a value pick in the second round. And then the late round guy, I think the most exciting prospect in this draft, not the best player, but the most intriguing, exciting, yeah. Interesting prospect in this draft, Evan. I, I hope we're on the same page with this. He's Tariq yeah. Wollin, UTSA. I cannot, I don't know what this kid is going to be, but I cannot wait to find out. 6'4, 205. There's rumors he's going to run a 4'2540. Supposedly he's lower. One last some people week. think he's going to, yeah, some people think he's going to break John Ross's record. Well, supposedly yeah. he, he clocked a 4'2'5 last week working out, right? Yeah. So again, 6'4, 205. 4240 converted wide receiver. We know how the Patriots love right. those guys who change positions. He sees the game through a receiver's eyes as a corner. He's very raw. He's incredibly raw. He's only played corner for two years. But you want to talk about potential. Is there a player with a higher ceiling in this draft outside of the first round than Tariq Woolen? I don't know that there is. So the biggest concern that I had with Tariq Wollin, because you gave all the positives of why he's a yeah. great prospect. The biggest concern that I have with him watching him is how he plays with his back to the football and press coverage, right? So when he's right. playing with his back to the ball and he's trying to play the ball in the air without eyes on the quarterback, he loses the ball at the top of the catch point, right? So that leads to a lot of losses down the field that way. But then there are times where that speed 
just shows up in the open field or he just chases somebody down from across the field. And you're like, Holy crap, this guy can really move. So I like Tariq Woolen a lot for his upside as well, because you gave the upside player kind of the athletic freak uh, Mario Goodrich from Clemson who is the other corner from Clemson, Andrew Boot Jr. Yeah. is on one side. It's kind of like Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, but at Clemson's version. Uh, Mario Goodrich is not the athlete that Booth is. I don't think he's going to test particularly great in terms of the 40, but he is a very heady, instinctive football player. And I think one of the things that the Patriots are really going to like about him is how well he tackles. And I know that, Everything we talk about with corners is how well you cover, right? You don't want to give up catches to the point where you have to make tackles. But Goodrich is one of those guys that will run support, that will screen support, that will come off his man down the field and make tackles on somebody else's guy that's running with the football. And he just racks up tackles everywhere. His tape against Syracuse was one of the better DB tapes that I saw out of this day two, day three group. He had four pass breakups against Syracuse and he was all over the field. Uh, He's a really interesting prospect because I know, and we know Alex, that they love corners who tackle. They love guys that are willing to tackle and that are sound tacklers. And I think Goodrich is one of those types of players. He kind of reminds me of Logan Ryan, quite frankly, right? Where like, he's not, the best cover talent. He's not going to lock down his man every single game, but he's going to tackle extremely well. And when he does give up catches, he's not going to give up this 80 yard touchdown because he's going to make sure that that his guy gets on the ground. So I think those are some things that uh, they'll look for in that position. I'm also interested to see a little bit closer, uh, more up to the top of the draft is Kyer Elam from Florida because he has a lot of traits that they've coveted in the past as well. Uh, Length, press man ability, uh, good mirroring skills, good ball skills down the field, long speed and ability to stay attached at the top of the route has been a concern of mine with his tape. So how he moves, how he tests, how he runs in the 40, his three-cone time even, if you want to go that direction with it as well. Uh, those are some things I'm going to look for with Kyer Elam. I want to move him up my board. I want him to be like a tier two corner. Uh, But because of his uh, inability to stay attached down the field, I've moved him into that third tier. If he tests really well at the combine, I probably convinced myself into moving him up. So uh, he's a really interesting player. Safeties, this is definitely something that I find uh, really interesting for the Patriots because nobody wants them to take a safety, right? We all want wide receivers, linebackers, maybe defensive linemen, maybe a corner, offensive tackle. Safety's down there, but you know the Patriots are going to take a viewpoint of it that Devin McCourty is either coming back on a one-year deal or retiring in two years or whatever the case may be. Adrian Phillips is not necessarily young. Uh, So at some point in time, it's going to be Kyle Duggar in that uh, Will Smith meeting from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he's looking around and nobody's left out of this great safety group. And the Patriots like to stay one step ahead of that thing. And Devin McCourty's spot in particular, I think, is a spot that they need to get, even if it's later in the draft. They need to find somebody that can play center field, right? They need to find somebody that can develop into that role down the line. So I think that's going to be pretty important here. And boy, is it a rough year to need a free safety. I mean, it's a rough year to need a safety in general. I I don't love the safety class, but... um, Yeah, I'll give you two late-round guys, then I'll just throw in, like, I'm curious to see Jaquan Brisker. Right. Uh, He's probably, if they're going to take a safety in the first round or even in the first two rounds, who I'd want after that, I think you wait until day three. The two guys I have my eye on, uh, Verone McKinley out of Oregon. 
and JT Woods out of Baylor. I know a lot of people are focused on uh, Jalen Petra. I'm looking at the other Baylor safety here, JT Woods. They're just both, um, you know, Woods is a Woods is a really good athlete. He covers a lot of ground very quickly. He's got good instincts. He can get himself to the ball. He still gets baited, but that's something you can learn. And I kind of look at this. You're taking this guy on day three, hopefully to play behind Devin McCourty, a year learning from him, learning from Adrian Phillips, really learning it from everybody in that room, I think would do him wonders. I like a lot of his unteachables at JT Woods. I kind of feel the same way about McKinley. He's a bit more polished. He's yeah. not quite the athlete. That that Woods player. is, what's up? He's a fun player. I, yeah, he's he's, he's actually been I compared. He, I don't know if he's Miles Bryant small. Like I think he's bigger than Miles Bryant, but he he does have some size limitations, which is probably why he's going to go later. But he's right. a really good. He's one of those guys is just a re, a really good football player. Like he just yeah. plays the game really well, even if he's not going to check all of the size, speed, athletic profile boxes. He's a really good football player, and there's something to be said for that. He's listed 5'11", 194. Devin McCourty's listed 5'10", 195. So yeah. it's possible. And again, he's a guy I think, you know, you take him, you let him learn for a year. McKinley's been compared to McCourty. That's been a common draft comp for him. Now, Devin McCourty was drafted 10 years ago as a corner. So that's right. why Devin McCourty was a first round pick and McKinley we're talking about day three. But I, I still think it's a, I, I've said it's a need since they traded Deron Harmon. Stop me if you've heard this one before. You're right. They need a second deep safety to play next to McCourty. And then you talk about maybe replacing him. So McKinley and, um, and Woods are the two guys I'm looking at there. And they'll both, a lot of their game is predicated on athleticism, being able to cover a lot of ground. So the combine is going to be big for both of them. So I don't think they're going to go safety early, but Bill Belichick loves his freaking safety. So who the hell knows, yeah. right? Daxton right. Hill from Michigan is to me, Devin McCourty 2.0, because he can play corner and he can play safety at a really high level. He didn't play as much deep safety at Michigan as he probably will in the NFL because they used him a lot at nickel or playing over the slot, but he can really cover as a nickel. And he's one of the more explosive defensive backs in the field, just in terms of pure speed. So I think he's going to have no problems learning the center field role uh, in the NFL and being able to translate his coverage speed to just ranging over the top. Instead, he's got some of that McCordy play some corner, play closer to the line of scrimmage, but more importantly, play deep in him. And he's going to probably be a first-round pick. It's probably way too high for them to draft a safety, but I just see a ton of overlap there with those two skill sets. And I love the idea of Devin McCourty teaching a guy with Dax Hill's athletic profile how to play free safety, right? Like that's, right. that's what you're looking for in a lot of ways. Later on in the draft, because Dax Hill is going to go first round, end of first round, uh, you mentioned Jalen Petrie. He's a nickel, uh, but he's a really good nickel. I, I don't think they need that spot, uh, but I just like him as a football player. But uh, sure. Kirby, Kirby Joseph from Illinois. Uh, right, that's your guy. That's my guy. I, I think your guy uh, in this defensive back group is that's like the athlete is like Tariq Woolen. I think Kirby Joseph's also a really freaking good athlete too. And one thing that I think stands out about him is not only the range, but the ability to high point the ball down the field. He's got an insane vertical. He's going to jump an insane vertical. So he can really range and then high point the football and beat guys. He had five interceptions last year for Illinois as a free safety. Also, a, a core special teamer, potential Pro Bowl, all pro caliber special teamer. So when we're talking about guys at safety, in order for them to draft a safety, I think this year 
we're talking about probably third, fourth, fifth round or later, which is exactly where guys like McKinley and Joseph are going to go. But they are going to have to contribute in the kicking game. To have a role on game day and be active on game day as rookies, they're going to have to be able to play special teams. And Joseph is projected to be one of the best special teamers in the draft. So I think he's definitely somebody that they'll have their eyes on as well. And he should put up a really good 40 time too. So I think people are going to know him uh, once he runs here at the combine, but uh, really interesting uh, group of uh, corners and safety with some of those athletic profiles. Yeah, go ahead. I would just say, I mean, if we're going to just do this off athletic profiles, we should, Jaquan Brisker was on the athletics college football freaks list. Yeah. He's a, he's a monster. Yeah. He's worth talking. And he's the, the reason I could see them, maybe reaching for him he can really be both a free safety and a strong safety he can yeah. play in the box he can play deep he's probably playing mostly deep in new england he's kind of, i mean he's similar to duggar in that sense and play, pairing him and kyle duggar would actually be really interesting because in theory you could rotate them between yeah. the deep safety and box safety spots and it would just allow you so many different looks uh, so I'm not ruling Brisker out again. They don't take Penn state guys, which is like this weird nuance when you right. consider how long Bill's been doing this and what a blue blood program Penn state is. But between Jahan Dotson, uh, Jaquan Brisker, boy, if there was ever a year to take a guy from Penn state, this, this certainly would be a good one. There's a lot of really good players from Penn State. Brandon Smith, the linebacker, edge yeah. defender. Uh, I can't pronounce his name because I'm terrible with names. Uh, Arnold, Eb- Abikite, I think it is, right? Abikite. Sounds about right. Yeah, uh, he's an edge defender from Penn State as well. He's a good football player. Yeah, I think Lupetta. that... Uh... They got a good corner too, actually. Tariq Castro Fields. We didn't talk much about him, but I think we've covered. Uh, you you wrote about forty players. I also wrote about forty players. I, I broke my previews up into two different posts. Offense, defense will be out uh, tomorrow and Thursday, I think. But we, we, I think we just talked about forty players on the podcast too. So there you go. Uh, that's your combine preview. Alex and I are, are we going to do Thursday or Friday? Because I think wide receivers work out Thursday. I mean, we tape, so maybe we should do it Friday so that we can talk about it. I, we, the, these weeks. I feel like we normally end up doing like a show a day. I kind of figured that's what we'd be doing. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do a couple of shows here. Definitely. to talk right. about. I don't know. We don't need to do tomorrow because the workout doesn't start till tomorrow night, but I would yeah. think one way, I think we'll do, we're doing a show Thursday. The question is, are we also doing one Friday? There you go. That, that's, yeah. that's why you come here because we are dedicated. We're going to do multiple shows this week about the combine. We're really excited. We're jacked up. We're looking forward to it. We're also continue to monitor all the kind of gossip, if you will, at the combine, all the rumors that tend to swirl in Indy, uh, probably tonight and tomorrow night, once everybody hits the bars in downtown Indianapolis and uh, starts talking to some of the people down there, we'll hear even more about where potential Patriots free agents might go, uh, what the market's like for guys like Calvin Ridley, things like that. But we're also going to be extremely focused here on the prospects themselves and on the workouts in the combine. So we'll definitely be back on Thursday. Uh, we'll also be back at some point over the weekend as well uh, to discuss what happens on these workouts. And then of course, next week we'll recap the entire combine to uh, early in the week as well. So keep it right here on Patriots beat for all your NFL combine coverage, all your draft coverage. 98.5. The sports is where you can find Alex. You want to close with a little breaking news here. Is it about baseball? Yeah. Do we have baseball? Yes or no? Nope. Nope. Uh, they're they're going to decline the final deal. And the, the stipulation was that if there was no deal by 5 p.m. today, 
opening day was being canceled. It sounds like things are getting really nasty. So this is, I, I guess the Celtics and Bruins are still going. So it's not like this is the only show in town, but right. you ain't watching baseball. You ain't watching baseball for the next couple months. Get all aboard the draft train. Really, really good league you got there, Alex. Really good league. I'm a base. I'm hosting this show. I'm a baseball guy. Talk yeah, you are. McCarthy. You know, you know, talk you're to, a talk guy. to Matt McCarthy. If any baseball don't league hide. is my league, it's the Cape League. Talk to Matt McCarthy. Don't hide from the fact that you're at the core a baseball guy. You're a football guy, but you're also a baseball guy. Talk so to whenever Matt McCarthy. Goes- I'm a baseball guy. I'm not. I'm not a major league. I'll be watching a ton of college baseball. College baseball, great product. Old Miss's defensive tackle hit a 400 foot walk off home run the other day. That was awesome. Go talk to Matt McCarthy about major league baseball. Well, no baseball, which means that we're going to keep you covered here with football all offseason long, maybe all summer long with no sports whatsoever. You're going to have to come here and listen to us talk about uh, roster projections and all the great football stuff. But we have plenty of draft coverage to talk about. So that's what we'll keep it here uh, for the next couple of weeks and free agency and the combine and all that. And uh, the combine, for those wondering, is on NFL Network, I believe, for the entire week. So you can go ahead and check that out on TV. And you can check Alex and I out on Thursday and Friday this week, breaking down the combine. So we'll see you guys then. Thanks so much for watching. For Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.